Welcome to the sixth season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each episode I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. My guest today is Kyle Marshall. Kyle grew up in a small town in Canada and went to university for an English degree. Currently, he hosts a couple of podcasts, including Putting It Together, a podcast about Stephen Sondheim's entire body of work, show by show and song by song. He also assists a nonprofit in supporting independent filmmakers. We're going to talk today about Sondheim's obsession with moments and dreams in his 1980s musicals. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. This is going to be a lot of fun. Well, before we get into our topic of Sondheim, we'll get started with our get to know our guest questions. So what was your first experience with a musical? So I think I've talked about this story before on my own show, but uh, essentially uh, I had this local theater group. I grew up in this very small town in my Canadian province that I grew up in. And so there was this um, community theater group that was putting on Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And my music teacher, this was happening in grade five for me, uh, she was in it and she was talking about it. And so I basically convinced my parents to go and take me to this thing. I, of course, had been, like, super into, like, Disney stuff and other musical things. But I, for whatever reason, I never understood that there was a, a way to go and see that, like, live on stage. That just wasn't something that I even knew existed. And this was kind of my first introduction to that. So we go and see this production. And then I kind of discovered that apparently these get released on an album. Like, you can go and purchase these. You can listen to them afterwards. And that kind of was my entry point into being kind of obsessive and going around and trying to collect as many musical theater albums as I possibly could while everyone else was going off and listening to like pop and alternative and all the other stuff that was coming out around that time. I was totally into Broadway musicals and that was kind of my, my big thing. Nice. Well, I think a lot of us probably know that, (laughs) know that feeling. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, What is the last great musical you saw? Because there's not a whole lot of musicals other than like some like the Broadway across Canada that's coming up from America, uh, where I live currently. What I'm seeing is my last great musical is my last trip to New York City, where I got to see A Strange Loop, which was phenomenal. It was like one of my favorite things. Now, I don't get to go to New York City all that often, although weirdly enough, I went twice last year. But still, I don't go (laughs) to New York City all that often. Uh, when you look at like the last decade or so. So I guess put a little asterisk beside this, but after I watched that show, after I went in and watched that cast um, perform and be like so moved by it and so like in love with that show, for me, it is my favorite thing I've ever seen on Broadway, let alone like my last favorite musical that I've seen. So mm-hmm. Nice. I'm glad you got a chance to come to New York and mm-hmm. see it. What's a musical that people would be surprised to find out you love, and why would they be surprised? 
Well, I so I'm going to say this. I, of course, host a podcast. It's all about Stephen Sondheim, and I really focus on lyrics and uh, like and and also his music, but mostly focusing on his lyrics. And I think people get a little bit uh, confused because I get super pretentious and super like passionate about Sondheim and his output. I'm just like a big, big fan. And yet there are things that I really, really enjoy that are like almost the antithesis to what his shows are. Um, and as I kind of mentioned before, like one of my first entry points into musical theater, just as a, as a thing was Andrew Lloyd Webber. And so while I can't say like, I love every single thing that Andrew Lloyd Webber produced, um, I will go to bat for Phantom of the Opera. Um, mm, interesting. I still enjoy it. Uh, should it have been running on Broadway for 35 plus years? Maybe not. <laughs> but still, I'm a big fan of that show. Listen to it so much while growing up. Um, and still to this day, has one of my all-time favorite com- comedic moments inside of a song where uh, the two opera owners are singing back and forth and they're talking about like he left this note and then he asks them like what was it that he's meant to have wrote as like written and he corrects them <laughs> it's always a little funny little moment that happens in the middle of that song that is so delightful for me yeah there's a lot to talk about there but mm-hmm. it does have a lot of definitely has a lot of great moments like that for sure i'm gonna say not to like push this into too much of a, dig- a digression but i will i want to be very clear like there are some criticisms that can definitely be leveled at that show. I've never really understood the people who were like get sympathetic about the Phantom because mm-hmm. I was never what interested me about that show. Yeah, but I think the um, lesson is don't kidnap someone and expect them to fall in love with you. Yes, <laughs> always a good lesson to learn. Right. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite musical that no one else has heard of? Okay, so staying on the Phantom train here for a minute. <laughs> There is a movie musical that is also based on the Phantom of the Opera, like the original story, the Mm -hmm. Phantom of the Opera, that came out in the 70s called The Phantom of the Paradise. I want to prepare people. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. It is super cheesy. It is super campy. It's a rock musical. Uh, It's directed by Brian De Palma, which he has his own, like, (laughs) sort of past. The music is basically written by... um, written by paul williams people might know he's like a supporting character in 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 a bunch of films was the voice of the penguin in the animated batman show if anyone's watched that and also wrote the song rainbow connection but that's like he has a weird weird yeah but he wrote all the this rock uh, music and stuff for this one and it is almost like grotesque to look at but i don't know i i love that show and that movie quite a bit so Mm. if you're looking for an alternate take on the phantom of the opera story um it's a good one <laughs> i yeah. always recommend it good B-movie. i definitely have to i definitely have to watch that the the adaptations and like the takes on phantom of the opera is super mm. fun too i i know when i was little there was like a care bears uh mm. take on on it as well that i can that i still remember it's amazing but so who is your favorite hero character or protagonist in a musical and who is your favorite villain or antagonist in a musical okay Part of me was like, I don't want to just give Sondheim examples, but I mm-hmm. have to be true. So both of these come from a Sondheim show. And so for my favorite protagonist, 
there's a tie. Uh, Mama Rose from Gypsy or the Baker's Wife from Into the Woods, mm -hmm. who both are great examples of people who are uh, super complex emotionally. Uh, they are not all the time throughout those shows someone that we are like sympathizing with necessarily sometimes we're like ooh i don't know if that's the right choice that you're that you're making um but they they're like uh, true to those characters and i just find them so interesting that uh they're a fully complete realized both good and bad um inside of a show i find them both super fascinating for the antagonist is again whether you want to consider them the antagonist of the piece or not. Uh, I have to go. I'm going with Sweeney Todd. Mm -hmm. um, this is where it gets wishy-washy because some people don't consider him the antagonist technically of the show. Yeah. And, but he is someone who goes and murders people and puts them into meat pies. So I feel like <laughs> it's justified <laughs> for me to call him the antagonist slash villain. Well, great. Let's move on to our topic, which I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, we're going to talk about Sondheim's uh, obsession with moments mm. and dreams in the 1980s. And I, I'm excited because I feel like uh, we haven't talked a lot on this show about, um, like we've talked about Sondheim, a lot of Sondheim's sh shows and his lyrics, but I, I love this idea of like taking a group of shows and looking at them Mm -hmm. uh in this way so yeah i guess like what um you know what brought this topic to mind for you okay Th this is the genesis and i have to i have to admit that this is a bit of a half-baked theory that i have going on that i'm excited to like continue to investigate over the mm -hmm. next few years i kind of want any publishing houses out there i'd love to write a book on this topic because i think there is something there i just haven't fully coalesced around it but what i noticed going through i just finished my merrily we roll along season the famous sondheim flop um and inside of that show there is the recurring uh, merrily we roll along song that goes runs through the entire show usually talking about dreams and um not letting moments pass you by, that sort of thing. And it really occurred to me as I was going through the Merrily Roll-Along season, it's like, it's so interesting because this idea of dreams and moments, like those words in particular, at least those feelings, um, show up in a bunch of Sondheim stuff going forward. The cat, like there's, Merrily Roll-Along is this catalyst because it dissolves his like professional relationship with Hal Prince, who had been the producer and director of, basically every Sondheim show from company up until Merrily We Roll Along. Actually, not basically. He was the producer and director of every, every Sondheim show from right. company <laughs> until Merrily We Roll Along. And uh, Sondheim talks about how a lot of his friends, like, uh, left him because of this flop. And then he found out, like, oh, they were only friends with me because there was something that they could get out of me. And so it really devastated him. He wanted to actually walk away from musical theater for a bit and not, not want to pursue it. And so we, he gets brought back in with Sunday in the Park with George, which is about artistic um, obsession a little bit, but also how uh, you can't get stuck in moments. You have to like push through mm. uh, sort of thing. Moving on into uh, 
into the woods, which talks so much about like the moments in the woods and like, how do you deal with that? And like, how do you get past these both happy and darkness and all that sort of stuff. And then ultimately culminating in assassins in 1990, where, because he's investigated this idea of dreams and moments from different angles, we get to the extreme, almost like negative look at that. It's like, okay, well, if it's good to like follow your dreams and understand your moments and like um, cherish those things, what happens is if you're a psychopath in that case, mm-hmm. right? You singing about you following your dreams is very different if your dream is going to kill the president. Right. So where is the limit here of like when you should and should not follow your dreams? So I just find this whole thing fascinating. It starts off as a sort of like a little recurring thematic musical cue and merely roll along and eventually Mm. goes to like arcs through into assassins. So it's, I don't know. I just find it such a fascinating thing. Yeah, no, I love it. And yeah, and with assassins, like the American dream, that the idea of Mm. the American dream itself um, as, as, something they're exploring there as well yeah i think uh, honestly i think this has a very american subtext to it i mean almost impossible since how um Sondheim was american right so he's going to be influenced whether he wants to be or not mm-hmm. um and I, and I do think that's true i think that there is that whole uh, perversion of the american dream is like we're taught from a young age to yes follow your dream like don't care about what your naysayers say like grab the bull by its horns do whatever it takes to get where you want to go and that can be often brutal and hard and like just unfulfilling for so for for so long for people which he investigates in some of his shows yeah but then again like i said like ultimately too it's like um the american dream uh can uh what what is more american feeling and this is why the assassin's so provocative then like literally if i see something that needs to be changed i'm just going to go and make that change which is awful when it's actually killing people like that. It's basically right. where we're getting to with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess Marilee also, I never really thought about it in the context of the American dream, but mm-hmm. it, it kind of is like the Amer like talking about the American dream in a way, like be becoming successful. What does that mean? Like how much does money play into that? I agree. I mean, I think you have to look at it both from the time it was written and nowadays, but um, I, I do think, I, mean, I was going to say not to get too political, but it's like hard not to talk about politics when it's, these shows are super right. political, I think. But I mean, there, there, I think there are certain ideals out there where if we're talking about Merrily specifically, that Frank didn't do anything wrong, right? He did mm-hmm. exactly right. He, he pursued money. He pursued him getting the most amount in his bank account at the expense of like friends of family of of really um happiness in total and i think a lot of people would look through their like political lens and be like well yeah that's what you should be doing you should be doing everything that you possibly can in order to get the most money that you possibly can and if your friends don't want to stick around for that then that's on them sort of thing and i think on the other hand of that we can be um, looking at it, it's like, well, he shouldn't be sacrificing his friends and he shouldn't be, uh, he should be, um, I don't know, more accommodating to, to their points of view and stuff like that. I have to tell you, like, I kind of sit somewhere in the middle of those two extremes because I think that sometimes Frank within the show is criticized a bit too much. Um, 
that's my another hot take that I have. I yeah. suppose about Marilyn <laughs> Rolong. Um, I, I think there's a, a specific moment for me where he does fully go over. I'm like, okay, I think you're going a little bit yeah. harsh uh, here, but like, I, I don't think him wanting to make, I don't know. Um, I don't even know how you'd frame it like blockbuster art or like right. generalized art is necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and he, I mean, he has a kid, he has to yeah. support, you know, all that. I think with Merrily, I've, I've been thinking about this recently that I wonder if like it had been, if he had been another type of artist other than a musical theater writer that, which depends so much on collaboration and like the, the loyalty you have to have to your collaborators to create the art. If it, like, I feel like that is more the betrayal in the sense in the show, because he, um, like, Charlie gets pretty screwed in the, the situation, because when sure. they start, you know, way back in, you know, the beginning or slash the end, yeah. <laughs> the end of the show, like, they're, they're going to be partners, they're going to work together, they're going to create things together. Um, so when Frank decides to go off and do his own thing, which happens in collaborate, you know, collaborations, right. collaborations break apart, but there's some kind, there's a little bit of a betrayal there that wouldn't be there if he was like, uh, you know, just a, you know, composer who was just working on his own, who wanted to write certain things, but then got lured in by money and, um, mm-hmm. You know, so the, the, you know, the friends aspect. Merrily is such yeah. a unique thing having gone through it now because yeah, um, if people who are listening don't know, like Merrily We Roll Along, the musical is based off of another play called Merrily We Roll Along that was written in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was written in the 30s. And in that one, they are, um, the Frank character is a playwright and the Charlie character is a painter. So they have nothing to do with each other. Like they don't actually work together. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I also don't think really works thematically as much. I actually like the change that they are co- collaborators with one yeah. another. What doesn't, which so I guess actually pointing this out, and I don't know why I didn't also come to this realization, but uh, what also doesn't really make sense though in the musical is that, okay, we have this songwriting duo Charlie's writing lyrics. Frank is writing the music. That that works. They're working together. That's all great. Um, that can be thematically rich. But then Frank gets seduced by going and being a film director. And it's like, when has that ever happened? Like that's yeah. not even a thing that happens. Yeah. Like, uh, I could I could see if it was Charlie being was completely song and lyrics guy. And Frank was the producer, and then he mm-hmm. goes off to be a film producer and leaves Charlie high and dry, sort right. of thing. That would make a little bit more sense, but that's that's me now splitting hairs a little yeah. bit. Um, I I think uh, the the biggest thing to go to uh, this idea of like moments and dreams and stuff is that recurring thing of in Merrily is like it's they keep saying repeatedly in that song, you pick yourself a road and you go down that road and you. There might be bumps and stuff, but you're merrily going down this road to this ultimate destination. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately Sondheim repudiates that thought mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in his later shows, which I, we should say different collaborations and stuff throughout all of these four different productions. But um, 
I, I think that that is this idea. I think it may be even popular in that early 80s time period of like Reagan and that sort of thing, which is like, yeah, there's some hardships and stuff, but like you just, you set your sights on this goal and you go towards it. And like, once you get to that goal, it doesn't matter how you got there. It, uh, it justifies itself sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, the end justifies the beans one might say, but uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, um, I don't, uh, that's the, that's the odd thing about this show is that I think Frank takes that recurring theme to heart where it's like, well, I made my choice and I can't say sorry and I can't change my trajectory. Um, I think the newest production of Merrily We Roll Along, uh, directed by Maria Friedman, which you can see her production actually on YouTube, I think still, if people are interested in it, uh, it is the exact same production that is now currently transferring to Broadway. Um, at least, at least staging wise, I should say, uh, I think slightly takes that idea at the very end where I think Frank might be having this realization that maybe he can change things finally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it blacks out and that's the end of the show, but that's not what was in the original text. It was like, mm -hmm. really, I think Frank thought, well, I have to pick this road and stick to it. I can't change my decisions. And that was his ultimate folly. Yeah. The, the merrily, the, the title song of merrily, mm -hmm. <laughs> merrily we roll along. Um, yeah. Like what is it? Because in the original production, it's set up as like he's, it starts where he's like telling the graduation class Correct. about like how dreams, dreams die basically yeah, or whatever. It's all just like, um, like, I don't know, perfunctory statements that don't really mean anything. It's like your classic graduation speech of an old guy who is saying things he thinks that young people should hear instead of like speaking from the heart sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I do love that part from the original production, honestly, because yeah. he's saying these things and then the merrily roll long song starts to filter in and they're kind of like, it's like, what are you talking about? Like right. you didn't follow this <laughs> advice. What are you, why are you telling us to follow this advice? So yeah, it, yeah. it's an interesting thing that original production. I can save you guys so much pain and hurt if I can make you understand today that life isn't about doing the best, it's about doing the best you can. No, it isn't. It's doing the best. A goal is something you aim for more than something you achieve. It's the old tell it like it is speech. I'm thinking you better start by hearing the word practical right here, right now, today. Where's the exit? Someday I guarantee you'll know practical very well. Wow. Fate has a way of introducing us to practical eventually. Give us a break, Mr. Shepard. And it's the same with the word compromise. Compromise? I haven't even started. Yesterday is done. Compromise is how you survive. It's how you See give up. Compromise is the bottom line, let me tell you. And if you know beforehand, if you know now that all that you're intending to happen Ain't gonna happen the way you think it's gonna happen. It will. Come on, Because life has ideas about your intentions. Merrily. Hey, kids. Listen to us old guys if you can. I know you don't see it, but someday you're gonna be us. anybody when I was your age. I believe all I ever dreamed of back then was to compose music. Dreams don't and die I my feet and remember. follow your dreams. Well, yeah, it like sets up like a conflict there. 
mm-hmm. the beginning. And the lyrics have like a conflict in them, I guess, if you don't start with that. Um, I mean, some of them are pretty dark, like hope goes by, hope goes dry, but you can still try for your dream. Things mm-hmm. like <laughs> things like that. Yeah, like even further into it, it's like some roads are soft and some are bumpy. Some roads you really fly. Some roads are rough and leave you jumpy. Why make it tough by getting grumpy, right? So you're just like, stay happy, keep your chin up and keep going down. Um, There's different forks from the road, but you're Mm -hmm. constantly moving forward. You can never go back. Um, This is also another one of my pet theories I should just bring out. This is like (laughs) uh, something I kind of came to halfway through the Merrily season I don't know if this is true or not. I actually got to talk to a couple of the original actors in the show and they were like, interesting theory. I didn't think about it that way. So, <laughs> so take this for what you will. But it feels like of the three leads of Mary, Charlie, and Frank, that each one of them is actually really preoccupied with one state of time. And that's mm. ultimately what their folly is, which is Mary is always stuck on the past. Charlie's always stuck in the present and Frank is always stuck in the future. Hmm. And that's why there's this conflict is that none of them can really talk about the right thing because all of them are stuck in different states of time. Yeah. I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Mary, obviously the past for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess the question is too, like, is, um, if you're going to be stuck in one, which is the best one? Right. Yeah. <laughs> which is the, is best the best one, one to be stuck in? I would say the present because then you yeah. get a Pulitzer Prize, according mm-hmm. to <laughs> Charlie Kringis. That's Charlie seems to come out the best. <laughs> it does. Yeah, yeah. At least from the uh, the bit of chatter we hear at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just seems to be the, the most... Um, what's the word put together by the mm-hmm. at the end like um yeah i can see that in frank like looking toward yeah he's always going towards the future the he can't future. really think about past or present it's always on to the next thing it's always on to the next thing yeah yeah and on to things that he's totally unqualified for like directing yeah, <laughs> yeah. like and i also am like wondering too like who who are the people singing Merrily well, we there's a little along. bit of debate on this. So I will tell you this. In the original production, at least initially, it is just the kids mm-hmm. in the class that he's coming to talk to. Um, that's the actual answer from the original production. Yeah. However, this is uh, different in every production, basically. So it really depends on the director and how they want to stage this. But mm-hmm. most of the time, what we are supposed to understand is that these are people from Frank's life. Mm. They're coming in and singing about this oftentimes like going right into the next scene that might feature those characters um some might call them like the ghosts of of frank's past or are singing at him as they go through here but uh yeah every every question has a slightly different take on who it is that's actually singing those sections instinctively too what it's supposed to be there for is that every time that comes up you're going back in time again so Mm -hmm. it's that that theme that pops up is like, oh, we're rolling it back again. <laughs> we're going back to a yeah. different time era. Yeah, like these, I mean, these people are like out of the story commenting. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess like overall, like how would you sum up like what Merrily We Roll Along has to say, both the show and the the this specific song itself, I guess, has to well, say about okay. dreams. <laughs> I, I, I think it is this weird thing 
where I think that might be the ultimate reason why Merrily doesn't fully work for me as an mm-hmm. entire show, even though I love the music from it. But as a show, I don't know if the creators could tell you what it's about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, really. Like, yeah, you can say, like, very, like, I don't know, bird's eye view that it's about, like, the, the folly of selling out. Or, mm-hmm. like, the, the the destruction of only prioritizing money and stuff. But it's, like, it's not really what it's about either. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's, I don't know, that, that, that's not the feeling I get after I watch this show. It's, like, oh, it's too bad that, like, these friends lost their way throughout time. That's like the yeah. ultimate um, depressing fact by the time you get to the end of the actual show and you see how hopeful and uh, open-eyed that they were about what their future was going to hold and you know what, what's going to happen. So yeah, that's, I think that's part of the mess of um, that's part of the mess of um, the show, but the song itself, I, my, my interpretation of it is really uh that some people have, I will say, uh, pushed back at this, but my interpretation is that all of this was inevitable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that merrily we're rolling along throughout the years, and it's because of a choice that you made early on in your life that caused this thing to happen later on. Yeah. That in itself might be tr- true, but it feels like what the show is trying to communicate is that there was no way out of it. Mm. That there is, like, there was that this was destined to happen because of this one choice that happened here made this other thing happen back here. And so it's almost like a bleak worldview in my, in my opinion that this show ultimately has that yeah. a choice that you make, you can never go back and change. It's a, it's you're, you're yeah. always on this road going forward. Um, and you cannot, uh, can't alter that or at least not easily. Yeah. It kind of calls back to me to, um, follies the road you didn't Mm. take and the character of ben and like looking at choices i mean he he could be in 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 the last scene of of merrily or the first scene at the end of 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 merrily (laughs) we roll along you know we took this road there were people we could have been although we we don't they don't mention people they could have been in merrily we roll along they just are fixated on maybe because we're going backwards with them but but the idea of the road yeah, the road is is always there. I mean, I will say that the more um, optimistic outlook reading that you could give of this show is that uh, they're using the backwards structure to show that it's not that it's inevitable, it's that they could have changed and they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a slightly different outlook, but um, still tragic nonetheless. Yeah, or that they didn't think they could change. Right. They could have changed, but they didn't realize that there were other roads like they started with like we're gonna you know make a pact you know yeah and we're gonna do this thing together and like that's what we're gonna do and sometimes that does work out for people like i i want to do i have this dream i have this goal i'm gonna do it and they get there and it works out but that's not true for everybody and right it you know they could have done other they could have like in whatever the in opening doors been like you know what <laughs> let's do <laughs> let's, let's do, do things else. differently yeah <laughs> but um yeah or they could have you know kept working together anything anything they could have decided oh, yeah. but um but yeah the idea that like you know it's not yeah that they're 
there are a lot of ways to get uh, to a certain place, I guess, a lot of roads yeah. or however you want to talk about the road metaphor. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's that's why I think like the follow up, like if we, if we jump to Sunday in the Park with George mm-hmm. and in that song, Move On, like I, I do feel like it is a comment, whether intentional or not, to the entire run of Merrily We Roll Along, mm-hmm. which is like, stop worrying where you're going you've gone like you it, yeah. like, don't go get stuck in this decision making of like oh how about this road or that place or this destination it's like make a choice go with it and then if you need to change <laughs> like right, you right. don't have to get stuck in this decision making <laughs> process yeah and i think that always makes me think about like the idea of career and like right. especially in our cultures like like what career like people are always trying to make these choices like oh is this good for my career is this Mm -hmm. good for this Uh, is this good for me because this is where I want to get to kind of thing and yeah and that having and that's kind of like a comment on that but I love what you're saying like that it's also a comment on that kind of thinking which is present in Merrily We Roll Along Mm -hmm. um whether Sondheim himself was thinking (laughs) in that way or not but it does feel like there's this evolution of thought it's a much more i guess nuanced view of a similar idea mm-hmm. so uh, which is, is like yes like the roads can be bumpy yes things can happen that you're not expecting but the the way out of that is not to be like well i made my choice and i'm going down this or it's like mm-hmm. i get stuck in like being mad about a choice i made 20 years ago it's like listen What's happened has happened. We have to accept that fact. We can't just in merrily in its structure go back and and possibly change something. No, we've made the choice. We have to stick with that. We have to um, accept that fact and be like <laughs> appropriately like I don't know um, happy or upset by that. But also, great. I made the choice. Now I'm gonna go. Yeah. Um, weirdly enough, in merrily there is the uh, the now you know song that happens which mary Mm -hmm. tries to actually have that argument and get shut down (laughs) but uh but i think i I think in something in the park with george that is that is how i'm reading that song in so many ways i know that so many people find so much meaning inside of the song move on Mm -hmm. but it's like um yeah i i love that song primarily because of how much it speaks to me but yeah but, but also um I think just like you said, whether it's career or your personal life or whatever it happens to be, we oh we can we can focus on all this other extraneous stuff like, well, is it the right choice or should I be going this way or should I go back and, and change this thing? It's like it doesn't matter. Like you're here where you are, stay in the present, and if you can all you can do is react to what is coming to you as appropriately as you can as you can. So like um promotion doesn't happen okay it didn't happen what other options do i have or what other mm-hmm. opportunities are, are are out there this person broke up with me that sucks but i can't spend my entire life being upset mm-hmm. by that i have to keep going right <laughs> i have to that or else you know then you're you're dying i chose my world was shaken so what the choice may have been mistaken the choosing was not you have to move on you want not at where you are not at what you'll be look at all the things you've done for me 
feels like it's both like exactly what people tell us in our culture like you have to move on you have to move on but also the opposite of our culture of like about you know not about being in the moment and like not like worrying too much and planning too much and yeah and just like well i know other people will say that this is the lyric that speaks the most to them um as well but for me like it really is like like the choice may have been mistaken but the choosing was not mm-hmm. which uh i still remember the first time i listened to that as like god i was an early 20s person i think when i first heard that lyric i'm like oh my gosh that is that is so true which is everyone makes mistakes in their life or they go down yeah a path that ultimately isn't very fruitful but it's like again you made a choice and you went down there the important thing is that you just didn't get stuck trying to make a decision and yeah. feel like you're stuck in a place. It's like, you made it, you went great. That was wrong. Keep going. <laughs> you have this other route and you can find your way to where you yeah. need to be. Yeah. Another road. And that the idea. Another road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It opens up. road. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is interesting. Cause you know, obviously we've talked about like, this is on the other side of the merrily flop and the, a collaboration like, ended and a new collaboration with James Lapine beginning. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's so interesting that after this, or I, sometime after this, he then revisits merrily with James Lapine. Correct. Yeah. So they kind of update that a little bit. And yeah. Some things. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think like, I wonder if like, you know, merrily really is like a James Lapine show that he didn't realize, like he didn't know yet yeah. <laughs> that he was moving toward that kind of writing and um yeah it's hard yeah that's a good outlook i think i think that the show that is now produced you have to give a lot of credit to james lapine because yeah. he helped shape it to what it is um i'll reiterate merrily is such a weird show in that i do prefer the newer version quote unquote the newer version yeah and yet it still has issues in it there's like oh they still have not like totally fixed this thing here or that right. thing there but it does run a little bit better than the original production did yeah that's why the the whole how it happened again it's it's the whole idea of like you don't know what's going to happen what how things are going to go right. like like we wouldn't have merrily today had merrily in its first incarnation not flopped and correct <laughs> like Sunday in the Park with George straight up would never have happened had Merrily Reroll long not been a flop. Right. And then the version we have of Merrily wouldn't have happened. Like it. Right. 
like they needed to like Marilee needed to be that version first like but yeah. you don't know that's like the, when you're that's in the it bizarre thing right yeah well i mean i think this fits into the theme we're talking about right right like, like they made a choice they made the Marilee they thought they needed to make it ended up not working out but that caused Sondheim then to go off on this completely different direction and to, for Hal Prince to go off in his other direction, both making great works of art in very different ways. Um, and then, yeah, like that's what gets us Sunday and Into the Woods and Passion and Assassins. Uh, and that's where Hal Prince goes off and does uh, Phantom of the Opera and uh, um, like the big budget stuff mm-hmm. throughout the 90s or the, throughout the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it makes you think about Move On in, like, such a very specific way, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Well, then we get uh, Into the Woods, which talks about, I don't know if it talks, it definitely talks about moments. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can, I could, you could flex, like, the dream idea a little bit into here, but it really is, like, they're really talking about, yeah, the moments and those decisions that you make mm-hmm. that have, like, these lasting impacts on your life. Uh, this is the, my first real Sondheim show that I got, like, obsessed with, mm-hmm. I should point out. So I'm yeah, a same. huge Into the Woods fan. <laughs> um, but in particular, there is the song called Moments in the Woods, where which this is, like, almost, like, if I was to ever get a tattoo, this might be the lyric I choose, which would be, like, super weird, but still um which is like is the baker's wife getting to the realization of like if life were only moments even now and then a bad one uh but if life were only moments then you never know you had one right um which again is this like very succinct sum up of this idea that it's like it's not the idea of never having a bad time in your life because that can actually help the good times feel more important to you uh, but also can push you off into directions you never knew were were possible um, but, but also this time that not everything can be momentous in your life. It's okay mm-hmm. <laughs> to have, um, we'll call it like a simple life that yeah. are punctuated by these really awesome things that happen. Right. As well. Being a baker's wife and yeah. then, and then having this moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I think that for, if we go like, again, to string this idea along, maybe what the, the issue with Frank is that he's so obsessed by being like the most important person of all time ever when he can't just sit down and be like, just be thankful for the moment that you just had. That was a cool moment that you had. Now we can move on and right. go on uh, to the next thing sort of thing instead of having like chasing this, this high the entire mm-hmm. time. Right. Right. Yeah. And then this song moments in the woods, it's really like, it ex- it's a very explicit exploration of this idea <laughs> of mo- mm-hmm. like I'm gonna sit down while she's standing. I'm gonna stand up <laughs> and I'm gonna mm-hmm. figure this out. We're gonna figure out what what this is. These this idea of moments. Just a moment, one peculiar passing moment. Must it all be either less or more, either plain or grand? Is it always or is it never and? That's what woods are for, for those moments in the woods. Oh, if life were made of moments, even now and then a bad one. But if life were only moments, then you'd never know you had one. 
first a witch, then a child, then a prince, then a moment who can live in the woods. And to get what you wish only just for a moment, these are dangerous woods. Let the moment go. Don't forget it for a moment more. Just remembering you've had an ad when you're back to or makes the or mean more than it did before. Now I understand, and it's time to leave the woods. This song is also just like very simple language for the for the most part because mm-hmm. there is that section too of like focusing on and and or or mm-hmm. <laughs> right which is just like, like we always focus on well you can have this or this like why why do you have to make that choice why can't you have both of them at the same time which uh which again i mean like it kind of depends on what we're talking about here but it is an interesting question to pursue i think sometimes we in our heads have to be like well I have to sacrifice family in order to advance my career. Why can't you have both? Why can't you figure out a way to have both of those at the same time? Right. You don't always have to make this choice between it has to be this or this. Sometimes yeah. it can be this and this. This is a very time. 80s question, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now of that we're talking about, talking about it in about this way. an affair with a prince. But I yeah. mean, still, I think there's the right. other stuff that's going But on. yeah, I feel like this is the whole like, having it all like mm-hmm. how can I do it I it, it feel it, like when we talk about it this way it feels a little bit like that and that feels mm. very 80s <laughs> sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> into the woods is pro Reagan is what I'm trying to say right. <laughs> <laughs> how can we have it all the greed of the 80s <laughs> that's right, that's right. I, I see those this is um kind of again an in conversation piece with Sunday in the park for George a little bit like yeah uh, there's this entire idea of, of of moving on from things and this is this one is almost having that discussion of like it's okay to sit with things too mm-hmm. you don't have to like go and move on really right away sometimes it's fun to just be like let's sit in this moment for a minute let's actually right. really luxuriate in this moment right i just had this moment with a prince that's actually kind of cool as a quote-unquote lowly baker's wife that i had this moment with a prince will yeah. that moment ever happen again i don't know but it was kind of cool to happen this one time yeah, and I feel like that's what musicals can really, like, where you can get something like that and you really can't get something like that anywhere else, which is, mm-hmm. like, an exploration of the moment after. Because, um, right. you know, there's definitely songs and musicals that are in the moment. I mean, the one before, you know, with The Prince is, like, you know, in the moment. But and Into the Woods has a lot of these where it's just, like, yeah, let me like the the action happened and now let's have the reflection well i i think and that is the reflection i think that this song ultimately gets to which is like um gosh uh, uh remembering that you had an and when you're back to or makes the or mean more than it did before mm-hmm. and then she's like okay now it's time to leave the woods right i've had this time to reflect on this and to um uh, sit with this and like be appreciative of this but now going back it's time to move on we're going yeah. we have to keep going into the woods which is of course the metaphor for life in right. general anyways i had the moment of thinking about the moment and yeah. now yeah. go see if other moments will arise mm-hmm. but i mean like again having this like whole conversation through these first three shows like you can see how some characters like in merrily um and maybe even in sunday where they get stuck, where they can't 
they can't get out of just thinking about it. Like they're constantly thinking about this thing that has happened or is happening and they just don't take the time to reflect on them. Be like, mm-hmm. hey, yes, this thing has happened. What can I learn from it? Okay, great. Now I can take that moving forward. Yeah, the characters in Merrily definitely need more reflection time. That's right. <laughs> they need to go and see into the woods, and then it'll all make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we get to assassins. Yeah. Uh, but the... Yeah, what is it? Everybody's Got the Right is what yeah. the song is called. I find like this is like... Again, that perversion of this idea that has been kind of been explored throughout all these shows. We now get to this, Assassins, which is um, talking about like going through life, down a road, having dreams, having these moments along the way. And now this is like, okay, great. So we've, we've had this moment to reflect. But what if I tell you <laughs> it's these terrible people? who also have dreams and also <laughs> yeah. have moments that can like really change the world. Uh, and then it's, it's a little bit harder to answer because I think that if you take it in a generalized way, it's like, should people follow their dreams? It's like, yes. It's like, should this guy who wants to uh, kill a person, follow their dreams? It's like, uh, maybe not. <laughs> but like, it's like an advanced trolley problem that we're getting into here. Yeah. Yeah, we're like at the end of the '80s, and it's like mm, maybe the ideas of the '80s didn't weren't so <laughs> <laughs> weren't so great. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's it comes down to like specificity is is needed here. Yeah, doing two things, th- uh, making a statement that's so general actually isn't very helpful because then it's like well taken to its logical conclusion, like this awful thing can happen. But when we're specific to the person who's standing in front of us then we can be a little bit more fine-tuned. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, I don't know, our advice and stuff that goes on here. Uh, and talking about like that intellectual exercise, like the, the thing I love about this song is like you, you kind of have to see it staged because I do actually find it like dramatically funny what's going on here because, again, there's these people carrying guns. Um, everybody's got the right to be happy say enough it's not as tough as it seems right mm-hmm. so again it's like that thing it's like yeah when we're generalized like everyone does have the right to be happy but not if it's if being happy is like causing pain to other people like that's where we have right. to we have to be careful here uh and then ending off and like that rich man poor man black or white pick your apple take a bite everybody just hold tight to your dreams everybody's got a right to their dreams right it's 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 kind of uh, perverting that american idealism into being like well wait a second that's not quite what we meant right <laughs> hey kid failed your test dream girl unimpressed show her you're the best if you can shoot a president you can get the prize with the big blue eyes Skinny little thighs and those big blue eyes. Everybody's got the right to be happy. Don't stay mad, life's not as bad as it seems. If you keep your goal in sight, you can climb to any height. Everybody's got the right to their it just puts you into that place where you're watching it and you're like wait like 
I what am I watching here? Like what am I yeah. like uh the song um Unworthy of Your Love, how it sure. like takes these this like soothing music of like the time and like it it sounds like a pop song where you'd be like, Yeah, oh, like I am unworthy. Charlie yeah. Manson, like that's yeah, what, that's but it's right, but it's like then you put yeah, put it in the context and it's mm-hmm. like, oh wait, no. Like <laughs> not this <laughs> yeah no not this it's deliberate like they want you to they they want you to have that experience of like thinking it's one thing and then realizing that mm-hmm. with the with the context that there's this darkness That's to right. it yeah so like looking at this this decade of Sondheim and these four shows these four songs like how yeah, how are we um thinking about like what happened with this idea i mean it, it ends up in a pretty dark place i guess it does, yeah. <laughs> again every of these uh, collaborations that happen with him and you know director book writer designers and stuff like that have to be taken into account but for me if i was to try and psychoanalyze a person i never met um it feels to me like there was this root of an idea in merrily we roll along that got refined in sunday and into the woods and then be like, but what if, and coming at it from a different <laughs> angle in Assassins, yeah. just like try and poke holes in, in, in the idea. But ultimately, I think it's, it's a hopeful message in that it's, um, you are not one thing. You can change course if you need to. Honor these cool and great things that happen in your life. Yeah. But know when it's time to move on. Like you have to keep going forward or else you do get stuck but don't keep barreling forward without taking the time mm-hmm. to analyze yourself and be like, okay, <laughs> let's, let's take stock of what's going on. Yeah. And then don't shoot someone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm also thinking like Sondheim, this is the decade of his fifties. Yes. I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm not 50, so I don't know what that decade is like for people <laughs> where they are like, just thinking about their lives at that point. Um, But I mean, but he's been very successful, you know, up until, you know, through that uh, for the past 10 years before this. Well, I think, and I think that's a good call out, honestly, from reading like his own writings, listening to interviews, the biography that's written about him. Mm -hmm. He's super eager. He's super ambitious. You know, when he's starting out, uh, there's a few setbacks, has this amazing run in the 70s. And by the time he's getting into his 50s, he has this really major setback and merrily roll along. I do think it took him some time to like really reflect and be like, you know what, what is important in my life? I I don't think he needed to be as ambitious anymore. And he could like uh, take his time, think about what was going on and also start to give back a lot. Not that he wasn't already, but... You read stories really starting in the 80s and into the 90s and 2000s of young composers and young people getting into the theater and how much of a champion he was of their work. It's like, yes, yes, you take it now. Like, I've I've accomplished all I need to. I don't have to prove myself anymore. Um, I don't need to be the one who's like, you know, clutching the keys and preventing people from advancing. Like, you take them now and you, you push this medium forward. So I think there is something, there's something there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he also... Uh, started young playwrights organization around that right. time too. It is interesting, like going back to Merrily, like those characters end the show or and you know begin the show and the storyline with um, only in their forties. You know, 
Oh. Yeah, that's true. Yes, because it's 25 years. So, yeah, they're like mid-40s yeah. by the beginning of the show. Which, um, and Sondheim would have been beyond, like a little beyond that Just age. Just beyond that, yeah. Yeah. There, there's something about, I guess, that age where maybe where, like, you are thinking about those things and i think so i think you get to a certain point where middle it's like, age <laughs> yeah you start like thinking like what uh what's what's the second half of my life gonna look like yeah 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 or do you see any in like the later the, these later works any any more working out of this idea or do you think he was he got to that well i have to tell you like i don't know roadshow very well it's like the one show that i've never really jump yeah. into i know one song from that score I, I know it is about a couple of brothers of course that are a bit like a bunch of grifters who are trying to get money um things so there might be some stuff in there i don't think passion does actually have <laughs> roadshow does um uh kind of talk about the idea of the american dream sure i, I guess yeah, yeah. so it, it it kind of relates but yeah, yeah and, and passion, passion like you could maybe make the argument of again it being like essentially moments in the woods but as an entire show <laughs> in a weird way um uh, a weird examination of that same same idea but i think in, yeah I, I that would be me stretching right. my uh my thesis a bit so should we move on to the uh why is this so good section yeah let's do it so i'm really excited to talk about where to go um we're gonna talk about uh, the song Better from Kimberly Akimbo. Yes. Uh, which I just saw the show. Oh, I'm so, so jealous. <laughs> so it's um, fresh in my mind as well. So I, I know this show basically because uh, I got into Janine Tesori here quite a bit uh -huh. over like the last year. Uh, not that I didn't know Thoroughly Modern Millie and Fun Home. I'm like, I should like check out what else she's yeah done. and so that got me into like carolina change and the shrek the musical and stuff of course too but yeah and then it's like oh they have a there's a new one called kimberly and kimbo coming out and it was getting some good buzz um and i don't like i've only read like a very brief plot synopsis but i don't really know what happens in the show i have to <laughs> tell you like i really don't know what the plot is i know the setup but i don't know yeah. what actually happens in the show yeah well i think and I think it'll be good to just say a few things that will set up this song mm -hmm. in particular is that, uh, so the premise is that uh, Kimberly uh, has a disease that um, makes her age very rapidly. So she's 16, but she looks like 60 or 70. I don't know. I forget what age they say she mm -hmm. is actually supposed to be, but um so she's in high school, but she looks like a 60 year old and, right. um, and her family, her parents are kind of kooky. The mom is, <laughs> is kind of kooky. The mom is having another baby. So that kind of mm. puts, is like a little bit of a, um, interesting conflict where like, you know, the mom is like trying to have one that's does not have this disease that is not like Kimberly, you know? Um, which is, you know, Kimberly, uh, as someone who, uh, has like an illness is, it's basically like a terminal illness where she is not really going to live past like the average lifespan for someone with her disease is 16 or something like that. Gotcha. Um, 
but for this particular song, for the song Better, so her aunt, her mom's sister, shows up, uh, and she is like a a scammer, um, like right. this. Because yeah, that's uh, who's singing most of this song, yeah. right? Kimberly's interjecting, right? Played by um, Bonnie Milligan, and in this song, she's like, come, yeah, basically come to town, and is like getting. These are all like the high school kids who are singing with mm-hmm. her. And she's like telling them, like basically, it's like her her philosophy song, like that I, you know, you got to take what you can take to make your life better, is <laughs> the thing. Right, right, right. And in the in the show, there's like she does get the kids like involved in one of her scams, which is like a decent part of the plot, um, yeah. which is like a whole check fraud scheme, but. Um, I won't get into too much with that for the our purposes, but right. but yeah. So why did you pick this song for why is this so good? Super fun song. I thought it was super funny. Yeah. This one, and it culminates in one of my favorite jokes in recent Broadway history, which is basically like uh, when life gives you lemons, go and steal apples because who the f wants lemons? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is so funny. It's a it's a very good line. When life gives you lemons. Gives you lemons when life gives you lemons. You gotta go out. You gotta go out. You gotta go out. You gotta go out and steal some apples. Cause who the fuck wants a It's like kind of taking in the kids um and like that and kimberly is like calling her out on right like we just certain things right yeah, yeah you're married no <laughs> i mean that's not really calling her out but it but yeah you she had the second verse is like a whole story about how she was living with a, a old lady with dementia and like she thought the old lady thought that she was her daughter, so gave her these like really nice rings mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that she took. And so Kimberly calls her out on that, and she's like, uh, "So it's okay, you know, to steal uh, from old ladies." Wait, where's the line? Right, yeah, take and advantage of sick old ladies. Yeah. And then she's like, "No, not just them." I met a lady Ooh. with dementia. She was old, she was sweet, she was legally blind. She needed a roommate, I needed a room. I was out of work, she was out of her mind. You should have seen the ring she wore. Let me understand that they were beautiful. She gave me all the rings she wore. Yeah, she thought I was her daughter, but they made my shitty life better. Take advantage of sick old ladies. No, not just them. Hey, 
but what's <laughs> but what's funny in that moment, like knowing the rest of the show, is like she's gonna take advantage of everybody else there in the room with her who's like, <laughs> like yeah, singing yeah. along. She's gonna take advantage of Kimberly and her and these other high school kids to do this this scam. It ultimately spoiler alert it ultimately ends up fine <laughs> but mm-hmm. <laughs> but um but yeah just like it, it's so like that it, it's just like such an interesting character moment that you don't really realize you don't, you don't know at the time if you're just watching it like what what she means there like no not just them and then well, come on I lo- kids <laughs> i love that, that philosophy it's like no not just a little bit, but everybody like i'm an equal opportunity offender here I yeah <laughs> I'm going to take advantage of all of you. (laughs) So I love listening to her hit those high notes. Uh, um, And it's, it's really this church course that happens near the end as Mm -hmm. well as like the kids come up behind her and like are repeating phrases and stuff like that. So it just ends on like a super great, um, I don't know, conclusion here for us. Uh, So yeah, it's, it's, it's a great little theater comedy, like musical comedy song that uh yeah it's fun it makes me really want to watch the show to be honest mm-hmm. with you like as soon as i heard this i was like yeah i kind of need to see this i want to see the stage i want to understand how this all happens it's just like a very good character song like she's got these great stories of how like she was a, like a horrible person but also like it, there's some moral gray area here like for sure like the st- the story about the rings with the woman like yeah, of course she shouldn't have taken this woman's ring. She's not her daughter, but she was blind and she needed a roommate. And I was there with her and she thought I was her daughter and she gave me these rings, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it could be, there's like a moral gray, there's a little gray area there. Hey, she followed her dreams, okay? She got yeah. what she wanted. <laughs> Whereas like the kids, well, Kimberly, you know, they're 16, are you know, are still a little like, they're, it's still like, a little black and white for them sure. still and they're like no that's wrong and she's like is it <laughs> yeah. yeah but is it yeah i'm not sure they get into like the economics of of the friends but the the kimberly's family is poor and right. the idea is that kimberly wants to have like an ex- she's gonna die young and she wants to have certain experiences before she dies that take money and like if she, like the uh, the question of like is it you know bad that she got money to have these experiences <laughs> before she died like if the money was obtained in an illegal way like yes yeah, and right. no you know section something wonderful just something in musical theater that we are excited about uh that's coming up there is a concert version of ragtime happening with Stokes mitchell and um kelly o'hara kelly o'hara is gonna do the 
Yeah. And Audrey McDonald, I think, is going to be there, Mm -hmm. too. Uh, I would love to be in the audience for that. It would be great. But I opened up this to see, like, what's upcoming stuff. Like, I mean, of course, I want to see, like, the revival of Sweeney Todd. I think that would be very interesting. I just, I'm very interested to know how that show is going to go. Yeah. With the, with the cast that they have. Um, but honestly, like there's some other big ones, the New York, New York, uh, Kander and Ebb <laughs> score, but with Lin-Manuel yeah. Miranda kind of helping out. There's the, uh, the David Byrne musical, Here oh, Lies yeah. Love. I'm fascinated. Like, I want to know what that I know. Is. I missed, I didn't see it when it was off Broadway years mm-hmm. ago. So, uh, that'll be, that's really cool that that's coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to keep saying White Girl in Danger, Michael R. Jackson's oh, yes. uh, other sh- uh, next show. I, I just uh, heard the announcement. Like, just heard the announcement yesterday about yeah. that. So that looks super fun. Look forward to more of your Sondheim podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. That'll be also my shout out uh, for your Sondheim podcast, putting it together. Um, yes. You're, as of this recording, you're finishing up merrily. Yes. Yeah, so when yeah. this goes live, though, uh, what's going to happen is... Uh, which uh, the Sunday in the Park with George season will just be starting. So you can jump on early if you want to go and hear about the entire history and every song inside of uh, Sunday in the Park with George, because we go song by song each episode. So it's we devote it to just one song yeah. every single episode and discuss it. Yeah, it's a really great way to go like do like a really deep dive <laughs> into. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been doing a deep dive into every single show, but if you just yeah, wanted to until... take it like, I'm going to do West Side Story now and like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're, uh, you're listening to a new Sondheim for the very first time, then you can follow along. Right. <laughs> the score, and then listen to every every song, episode by episode. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Scenes a Song. You can write to scenesasong at gmail dot com with a comment or question about an episode or about musical theater, or if you'd like to be a podcast guest. Love this podcast. Help it find more listeners by rating it on Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. Follow on Instagram at scene to song on Twitter at Scene2Song, and on Facebook at scene to song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast. Sign up for our monthly e-newsletter at scene2song.substack.com and contribute to our Patreon. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. And check back here in two weeks for our next episode.